Welcome to the Time Machine. Experience the cancer journey through the eyes of the traveler. Welcome back to the Time Machine. On today's episode, we honor the life of Jason Brown. I'm joined today by Diane Brown, his mother, his sister Carrie Bradley, as they walk us through a life of love, a life of loss, a life of faith, and experience the cancer journey through the eyes of a mother and a sister. It's a really remarkable story of a family that is stuck together through some of the most difficult hardships that a family can ever endure. I'm excited to share their story with you. Well, you're looking good, Don. Well, thank you. so well playing basketball. That was a long time ago. Just, uh, yes, a, li- a little while back. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Back. You look fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm yes. pushing 70, so I'm just thankful <laughs> to be here. Uh, You're just, get, so. just getting started. Just uh, getting yeah, started. Yeah. So um, okay. I'll, I'll kick it off and say um, welcome to the Time Machine. It's an honor thank to you. have you here. And um, so with us today, uh, Carrie Bradley and Diane Brown. And um, I'm excited to hear um, more. I spoke to Carrie just a few days ago, and I had seen posts on Facebook for you know years and years and years now about Jason and um I'd actually watch him yeah I watched him play football um way by 89 and so yeah. um, you know I have memories and and that was when I was going to school in Virginia in 89 so that's kind of where this started I talked to Carrie and I asked if she would share um some stories about Jason and then she asked if you could be on and I was so excited to have you on as well so we're going to start with you mom and um okay you know we'll start with uh with uh diagnosis and we'll just go wherever you'd like to go but um we'll start with with jason's diagnosis okay well we started out kind of like his senior year and he played football that year and a lot of times he would say to me mom my back is hurting it was kind of on the right side well of course he thought he had just gotten hit real hard so i would rub some you know uh, cream on it or something to try and help you know and he'd be like oh that feels better well we then went into basketball he did fine we went into baseball season because he played all three sports well we noticed they were in the championship game I'll never forget my husband. We saw Jason uh, was stealing from first to second, and he got picked off. And my husband looked at me and said, Jason's never been picked off, said he doesn't look well. And I said, he looks so thin, you know. So this is by now like about May, you know, end of May kind of thing. So long story short, you know, he graduates. We notice even in the pictures, look like he's looking a little gaunt. He's planning to go to LU to play football. They had given him a scholarship of sorts. And so um, he's planning to go there. So we're always like, Jason, you need to eat. You need to work out and all. And he's like, I am, Mom. I am. You know, I'm going to. I am. Well, I came home on July the 4th after work. I was a nurse, and I had worked the night before. And Jason always was full of energy. I mean, he was always doing something. And that day I got home, he was still in the bed. And uh, so I came in and I'm thinking, what's up with Jason? So he came upstairs and I said, Jason, do you feel all right? And he said, Mom, I'm just not feeling good. And so I took his temperature and he had a fever. So I said, well, we'll just kind of watch it. Well, he just kept on not feeling this like himself. So I took him to the doctor. I'm thinking like maybe he's got mono, you know, and even the doctor thinks that. So we checked for mono. Then he starts having a lot of nausea. And so, and then I'm thinking, okay, went to Florida to visit my mom. Maybe he's got this thing called Gerardia where you pick up a bug in the water. So we check for that. The doctor thinks, because he starts having a lot of, you know, diarrhea along with the nausea, we're thinking, okay, he's got, you know, maybe Crohn's. So they start looking for, you know, the normal things and all. Nothing, everything comes back. They even actually did a hepatitis uh, check on him. That was fine. And uh, his liver enzymes were a little elevated, but not really anything to cause any alarm. 
but he, he was like, we're standing there. My husband said one day he had been to do some work for it with one of our friends. He came back and he said, giant, I feel like I'm looking at Jason and, and the weight is just mm -hmm. falling off of him because he had always been a buff guy, as you know. You know, he was probably like close to 200 pound world size 38 because of his thighs were so big. And we're just seeing him just diminish, you know. And the doctor's like, I don't know what's going on with him. So he went to church with his, uh, with Opal. That was his high school girlfriend. Had been girlfriend for several years there. And he said, mom, I threw up right in the parking lot. So he got home. He's real sick. I called our doctor that Monday. And I said, look, he is really sick. I was uh, ready to go to work, and, but he was just sick. I said, he said, bring him up here, Diane. So I brought him to the doctor's office. He said, we're just going to put him in the hospital and do some scans and see what's going on. I said, well, put him on my floor. So they did. The next day, they did a CAT scan. And the doctor came in, and he's told Jason, Jason's there in the bed. He said, I don't really know what we're seeing, but we're seeing something, Jason. He said, I don't know if it's um, a blood clot, if it's some scarring from where you've had some kind of, you know, issue in the past. Or he said, it could be hepatocellular carcinoma. And the doctor, he was a really good friend of ours and, you know, all of our family doctor. He just kind of got up and left. And Jason looked at me, he said, Mom? What did he just say? And I said, Jason, and of course, by then I'm upset, you know, a little bit. I'm trying to hold it together. I said, they're not sure. They're thinking you might have, you know, um, cancer of your liver, but we're not sure. And they're going to do another test. So they did another test. I think maybe a sonogram or something. And they came back and they wanted to call in um, an oncologist. The oncologist came in that night. And he said, it's more pointing to, you know, that we have got an issue here. And I told him, I said, well, he wanted to do endoscopy to go in and, uh, I'm sorry, a laparoscopic. And I told him uh, to kind of go in and look around. I told him, no. I said, I think we need to go to UVA. He said, wise call. The next day, we went to UVA. Of course, when you get to UVA, as you probably know, they start their whole gamut of tests. <laughs> And so sure enough, he has a 10 centimeter, which is a pretty good size tumor on his liver. He's steadily getting sicker. I really thought we were going to lose him before they did anything. And I went out one night and I said to the surgeon, his name was Dr. Manasi there at UVA, love him. And I said, Dr. Manasi, you got to do something. I mean, he couldn't keep anything down. He was horribly sick, just, you know, awful. And he said, we got to be sure we know where we're going before we do anything, Ms. Brown. We've got to have a game plan. So they did do surgery. This was in August and, um, of 1994. They did the surgery. They came back. They took the, most of his right lobe of his liver out. But the amazing thing about your liver is it will regenerate itself. So that was no issue. He said he felt like we possibly had a surgical cure, but the problem is you have this vein that runs through your liver that all your blood goes through from your abdomen. It's called the portal vein. There was some uh, tumor in that vein. They couldn't take that vein out because that's vital. And so he said, I tried to get as much of it as I could out. So long story short, we think we got this surgical cure. He's in the hospital for a good while because he had some other issues from all of that. He got this what's called esophageal varices, which are kind of like varicose veins in your esophagus, and you bleed out. We had issues with that. It was just some little side effect things. But he, we were there man, probably two months. He came home. He started putting his weight back on. He's looking great. We're like, thank you, Lord, for all the prayers. Everybody at Thomas Road, Liberty Christian Academy, our friends have rallied around us. Most humbling thing that I've ever had to experience. Uh, everybody was there for us and for Jason. Um, we're thinking everything's cool, you know, that we're on the mend. He starts to put on weight, looking good. But every month he had to go for a CAT scan or an MRI because they wanted to keep an eye on him. We go in December. And they do a, a CAT scan. Yeah, it was several days before his doctor called me. And that made me a little nervous. 
I thought, what's that? Because usually he called me right away. So he called me and he said, um, Ms. Brand, he said, um, bring Jason in after Christmas and we're going to do a couple other tests. And I knew then something wasn't looking too great. So we got through Christmas and we went and they did another test and the cancer had come back and was back in his liver. UVA told us the type of cancer Jason had is called hepatocellular carcinoma, which means liver cancer. And the type is called fibrolamella. That is a very rare form of cancer. It happens mostly in young men. Uh, few women but very very seldom women you know girls and usually they're young men uh, from their late teens to their mid-20s uva told me they said when they saw it had come back they said we've never dealt much with this we've only had a few cases of it and they said so we really don't know how to approach it you know well i had talked to our original family physician uh, in Lynchburg that had gone through all the early diag you know, looking for what was wrong. And he had told me, his name was Dr. Vanderwater. He had told me he had a um, nephew in Florida that named Tyler that had the very same kind of cancer as Jason. And they had gone through the gamut down in Florida, couldn't find out what to do. And they had sent him to Duke in North Carolina. Duke, had told them they had run out of options also. And his wife, uh, I mean, his, I'm sorry, his mother had um, gotten contact, Duke had helped her, with MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. If you remember, maybe not, years ago, the Shah of Iran, way back when the Shah of Iran, he had cancer. He actually came to MD Anderson for treatment. That's how renowned this place is. So Dr. Van Waters told me that. So when UVA throws this scare into me, they don't know what to do. At 10 o'clock at night, I'm calling Dr. Van Waters and I'm saying, look, UVA says they don't know what to do, that they haven't dealt much with this. I need to know where did your nephew Tyler, uh, what was his doctor? He gave me his sister-in-law's number. Her name was Ginger. And I called her. And she gave me the name of the doctor in Houston. So the next day, I make arrangements for Jason to go to Houston, Texas. So we go to Houston, Texas. I felt like, Don, to be honest, when we drove up there, I was at the Pool of Bethesda. I really felt like that. It was so many people, such a huge place. Jason said, Mom, they don't have one CAT scan. They got a dozen CAT scans in one room. It was so many people just piling in, just looking for help, you know? Everybody was so gracious, so good. So we go there, we get connected, this, this doctor, Dr. Pat was his name. And of course they go through their tests. They don't want UVAs or anything. They want their own thing. So we do that and they put him on a, high regimen, um, it's almost like a clinical trial of uh, chemotherapy. He actually wore a little machine on his side to give him chemo for so many days, 24 hours a day. And then, back then, they were just starting to get into the immunotherapy thing, so they wanted me to give him injections of interferon. So we would actually buy it there at UVA, I mean, at MD Anderson, I would put it on ice because it had to kept, be kept cold to fly home on. And so we'd get home, I'd give him the shots. And our um, oncologist in Lynchburg, Dr. Headley, would also administer the chemo that MD Anderson would prescribe. He told me, Dr. Headley said, that's the strongest chemo I've ever given anybody. He said, we're given that high dosage, but we were doing at the, you know, end. We got to try anything we can. So we actually ended up making three trips to uh, MD Anderson. We never knew how long we were going to stay because, you know, you get there and you know how it is. They take a, do a CAT scan or MRI. It might be a day or two before you can get the results and see the doctor. So Thankfully, at that time, it was an airline called Continental Airlines, 
and we would fly out of um, Greensboro, and they were wonderful with their patients, um, well, their clients that were patients, and they didn't charge you if you had to change your date. Also, that's back when it was the Astrodome in Houston, and there was a beautiful motel right beside it called the Sheraton Astrodome, and they gave a discount to MD Anderson patients. So we had this amazing room that even had a special room just for families to go where there was like a dining room, there was uh, refrigerators, TVs where you could go and relax. They gave, I mean, they just rolled out the red carpet for us. But like I say, our church and all, I'll tell you this little story about that. Um, we were there in Houston, had been there for a while. And of course our pastor, Jerry Falwell, had come into Houston because he was preaching there. And he knew Jason was there. And him and several businessmen came by, wanted to come by. He had called me. Of course, this is before cell phones. So it was a whole different ball game <laughs> and communicating. You know. But he had got a hold of us and said they were going to be in the air and they wanted to see us and Jason. So I was like, sure, Jerry. I was, Jerry was my neighbor when I was growing up. I babysitted his kids. So he was Jerry to me. But anyhow, I said, sure, Jerry, that's great. Well, the day they were coming, I had to go back to pick up the interferon because we were flying out the next day. And when we had come in to the shirt in that time, you know, I gave them our uh, card, credit card, and uh, to, you know, pay the bill. And um, so we were away when Jerry and the men come. We were getting the interferon, me and my husband, Joe, J uh, Jason's dad. And so Jason said they came in, they talked with him, they prayed over him. When they got ready to leave, one of the men gave him $500 and said, this is to help you out, Jason, in any way you can, that that's needed. So, you know, we get back and Jason's like, mom, you're going to believe this. Jerry and some guys came <laughs> and they gave me $500. Like, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, it was unbelievable how people, you know, were so gracious to us. I mean, when it first happened, I'm not kidding you, Don. We had one day after church, a family at Thomas Road, um, the Summers. I don't know if you remember Ben Summers and them. But anyhow, he played football with Jason. His family came by our house. They gave us a check for $1,000. LCA raised a couple thousand dollars. I mean, it, it, was, it was unbelievable. And back then, that was a lot of money. They were talking 20-some years ago. Yeah, but getting back to... I digress. Getting back to the uh, thing when Jerry and them were there, stories. when Jerry and the men left. So I'm like, oh, well, daggone, we missed them, you know. And uh, I said, but we had to go get that interferon, you know, because that's vital. And we didn't know what time they were coming. Jerry said, I'm not sure. Do what you got to do, Diane. He said, well, long as Jason's there, we want to pray, lay hands on him. Well, the next morning we get ready to leave. And we've been there a couple of weeks and uh, so I called down to the desk and I said, yeah, uh, we'll get ready to check out. They said, no problem, Miss Brown. Y'all are all set. So I'm thinking, okay, they'll put it on my credit card, you know. And, of course, to be honest with you, at that time, everything I had was maxed out. I mean, we every time we walked in the door, we had to give money, you know, how it is, and airline flights. But I didn't care. You know, I was like, whatever. You know, if we have to sell the house or whatever. But anyhow, we come home, and I get my credit card statement, and I say to my husband, I said, you know, Sheraton didn't charge us. So I call them, and they tell me, ma'am, someone named Jerry Falwell took care of your bill. Hmm. He took it, took care of it, never said a word. You know, that's why, I mean, to me, that's the character of someone, true character. And we... We were not big money people in the church. We were just working. I was a nurse. My husband worked at a Glad manufacturing. We were no everyday people. So long story short, we come home after three visits. The last visit, Dr. Pat, his doctor tells him, he said, Jason, I think we've done all we can do. He said, the chemo is wearing on you really bad. He said, I've done all we can do. He said, now it's up to him, important to heaven, to the Lord, and we let the chips fall. He said, so, you know, I think we've done what we can do here. 
So we come back. UVA had told me when I left there and to go to take him to Houston, they said, use us as a last resort, Ms. Brown. There was a Dr. Truitt was his name. Uh, we would transplant him possibly, and but try everything else. Because I asked them, what would you do if it was your son? And they said, I would try the clinical trials. And if that fails, then let's try the transplant. Because the problem with transplant is kind of like the Mickey Mantle thing. If you remember, um, Mickey Mantle had liver cancer. They did a transplant. But once you've had cancer, and you get a transplant because you have to take so many of the immunosuppressant drugs, then you got a high risk of it coming back somewhere else. And so, and that did happen to Mickey Mantle. So they were reluctant to do that, but as a last resort. So we get back, I tell them, hey, we've done all we can do with the chemo. They've kind of said enough, they can't do any more. It's his blood counts were horrible. You know, they were in the, in, in the bottom. So they said, okay, we'll put them on the transplant list. Of course, we had to go through a protocol for that. So back then you had a little beeper that you wore and you're waiting for the call. Jason is constantly getting sicker. He's getting now sicker and sicker. He's throwing up blood. He has horrible nosebleeds because your liver also has to do with your clotting, your blood clotting. He'd have massive nosebleeds. We'd have to rush him to the doctor. So long story short, we're waiting for this liver transplant to be called. He's in the hospital, and our Dr. Headley was amazing. To get uh, moved up on the transplant list, doesn't matter about your age back then. I think they may have changed it now. I'm not so sure. But here, Jason was 18 when we started. At this time, he's like 20 years old because um, we've been doing this for almost two years. And so it's, um, it's like in June. And he tells me, he said, you know, Ms. Brown, he said, if he's in the, in the ICU, they will bump him up on the transplant list. He has a massive nosebleed, lose a lot of blood. So he puts him in ICU. We're thinking, yes, maybe we'll get the call. Maybe we'll get the call. We didn't get the call. He kept him as long as he could, and he said, I'm going to have to move him out. He said, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. So he moved him back out on the floor. He's getting steadily sicker. And also, it's on Friday, I get a call from the insurance company. They say, we can't justify him staying in the hospital. So as of Monday, after Monday, you're going to have to be paid if he stays in the hospital. Well, I knew if he left the hospital, then he went way down on the transplant list. I told him, I said, I don't care. We'll pay the bill. We got to keep him in the hospital. Well, that Monday morning, Dr. Headley came in and I was sitting there and uh, he thought I was asleep. And Jason told him he had gotten so weak, Don, he couldn't open his carton of milk to pour on his cereal. And he looked at Dr. Headley and he said, Doc, I'm so weak and sick. He said, Jason, let's do another CAT scan, see where we are. So my husband had come over, Joe had come over, and um, we're sitting there. They take Jason down for the CAT scan. This is on Monday. That's going to be no more insurance. The phone rings, and it's UVA. And they, tell, they had called the hospital. They got a liver for Jason. So we're like, yes, yes. So I called down the cat and I asked them, I said, do you want the CAT scan? If they're doing a CAT scan, they said, yes, bring it. So I called down, tell the nurse, they call down, get things in motion. They load Jason up and they take him to UVA. My husband and I, we wait for the CAT scan, you know, results and pictures. And we take those, we follow. We get to UVA, we're like, yes, we're going to get a liver, you know. Unfortunately, it was a young man that had dove in a pool and had broken his neck and, you know, but they were going to, you know, his parents gracefully had donated. So we get there, getting everything ready. Uh, everything's going according to plan. But they kept telling me, Ms. Brown, if we get in there and Mr. Brown, if we see any evidence of any, you know, that the cancer has spread, we can't do it. And we're like, okay, okay. But th this is a weird thing. 
the CAT scan showed that everything was still in the liver. So we're all excited. I never will forget that uh, taking Jason down the corridor and to the surgical unit. All of our family, Carrie, Amy, were all there. They're rolling him in his bed. They're also rolling the donor because they, they would take from him, put right into Jason side by side. They're rolling, they roll him down the corridor. Here comes Jason and he does this. He's, yes, you know, they take him. We go wait in the waiting room. They had told me it would take about seven hours. So I'm like, okay, I'm looking at my watch, seven hours. I'm looking for seven hours. About four hours, I look up and there's the doctor. I knew. I, I, I lost it. And he said when he got in there and he reached around, he felt and there was a tumor on his stomach. He could not transplant him. So they just basically sewed him up and they bring him back to ICU. And it was maybe a week later. Of course, you know, he's getting worse. We had planned to bring him home, you know, but I really think the Lord answered, um, looked out for us because I think that would have been extra hard at that point in time. Um, and so um, it was on a Saturday morning at three o'clock that the Lord took him. And we were blessed in the fact that um, his high school sweetheart, Opal Moore, they had been together and then he, um, they got married before he started that heavy duty chemo. Um, and um, she was pregnant, got pregnant. And we have a grandson, um, Bailey. Um, Jason Bailey. Jason Bailey is his name. And um, he is now 24 years old. And a lot like Jason, <laughs> you know, and uh, full of himself. And um, we, we just thank God for that too. That, you know, um, and we've had so many people reach out to us about stories that I never knew about Jason, you know. Um, and that's the thing that I tell people. I want to hear those stories. You know, don't be afraid to talk to me about Jason. I, I, I long for that, you know. And our thing is, um, like I say, we've been blessed because LCA... Uh, Scott Allen was Jason's coach, football coach. Well, the next year, Scott coached LCA after Jason passed away. They uh, had on their helmets JB and LU, a Liberty University. If you go on their web, uh, check their football, Jason's name is on their roster and his number because uh, he was, had planned to play that year. And the LU team, they wore JBs, and they also, went, before Jason got really bad, they had him as an honorary captain come out on the field. So uh, that was when um, Coach Rotigliano was there, and they were just so good to him, too. But uh, getting back to the, um, you know, afterwards, Scott Allen was the coach. Then the next year, we, uh, for one year, then we got a new coach in. And um, what was his name, Carrie? Alexander. Coach Alexander. I've got a little bit of the you know early thing going on here, remembrance. And um, he came. He didn't know uh, Jason from Adam's house cat, but he saw films and he heard about him, and he watched the films. And do you know he started the Jason Brown um, inspirational player, player award. award to be given every year on homecoming and he told his guys football players I want you to play like that guy you know I want you to play like him and then then it became this thing that Dr. Schneider who was the administrator when Jason was going through all this just loved on Jason loved on us um and a group wanted to do a field in his remembrance and they did that and there is a field house and a field, fields, I'll put S on it, there right now at LCA, um, that's called the Jason Brown Sports Complex. Beautiful field house with, you know, workout room and everything. What can I say? 
nothing. We've been treated so well, his memory. And I can just see him just grinning all over himself now, you know? And also we've been very blessed. So now I'm going to hush and let you ask me some questions. <laughs> well, I'd like to dive into a few things with both of you. And, okay. um, and one, I guess, for we'll start with Carrie. For, as, a, as a sister, um, can you ex- kind of give us a little insight on, on when diagnosis happened? Maybe a little bit about that day and, and you know, how um, that... Yeah. Um, back then, before... Um, my dad got a job at GLAD and my mom was a nurse, but we also had our uh, family business. Um, it was called Village Bake Shop. And so um, my mom and dad called um, Amy and I and said for us to go to the bakery, the customers to come and pick up their orders and then to put a sign on the door close till further notice and to get to the hospital. So Amy and I knew something wasn't right. So we went to the bakery, did what you know, mom and dad had said and went to the hospital. And that's where they told us that our brother had cancer. So um, yeah, it was kind of a surprise and um, a little bit crazy, but at that time you're almost in shock and you feel like you're in a, outer body experience and you don't want to believe it and you're worried about your parents you're worried about your brother and then um you just started living through the nightmare (laughs) how did um well i guess some of the what were some of the high points through the diagnosis and treatment and some of the low points that kind of you know stuck with you that you remember now i think like with my brother, and to be honest, I never thought he was going to pass away, ever. I just always thought of him as, um, and still do, as a warrior and a fighter. And um, I just, it never crossed my mind. I knew that we would probably go through a lot of obstacles, a lot of hard times. But um, I just, it, it never really crossed my mind that we would lose him. And, of course, a lot of the high points, and the biggest one for me is, my nephew, um, who is so much like him and, um, what a blessing. He's the joy, the jewel of our family and we stay in touch with him. And, um, it's, we're just so very thankful to have him in our life. Um, some of the low points I think for me remembering is him taking on this burden himself, um, in some ways because he was trying to maybe mask how sick he really was. And so we would have dinner and he would come and he would eat and he would just try to eat like normal with all of us and like be a part of the family. And then he couldn't. So he would just step outside and, you know, if I close my eyes, I can still remember and hear him retching because he was so sick, but he would try so hard to be normal and to, you know, still do the same thing that he used to do. And, um, Another highlight would be I was so thankful that my husband got the opportunity opportunity to um, know Jason. Uh, they would go trout fishing together because that was still a sport that he could do. And so um, that was a really big deal for me um, that my husband actually got to meet him. Um, Jason always still loved sports, still always had a sense of humor, um, never complained, never complained. So um, I think just going through that, sometimes that hurts me more is thinking that because in my mind, I never thought that we were going to lose him. I wasn't, I guess, sensitive or, you know, didn't tell him enough how much I loved him or how much I was going to miss him if he wasn't here. I always kind of felt like Don and maybe that's just my, you know, not knowing things too much, but I always felt like if I ever accepted that I was going to lose him, I didn't have faith. Right. And I was like, I got to just have even the faith of a mustard seed. Correct. You know? And so I never ever would let Jason think this is the end. Even the day that they brought him back and they couldn't do the um, transplant. I told him, I said, Jason, you know, the Lord is going to work it out one way or the other. And all, but he did say to Opal, she told us, he said, I either want to live healthy, I don't want to live sick. 
you know. And so, you know, I feel like the Lord healed him, of course. Not the way I wanted him healed, but he healed him, you know. And like Carrie said, we have a lot to be thankful for, although it never takes away that, you know, missing him and all. But I do look at it that like, hey, you know, we do have tons of memories, tons of friends, um, Bailey, Opal even, you know, uh, that stood by him. You know, she, I mean, she, she, you know, she could do things for him I couldn't do, you know. <laughs> And um, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Can you tell me? Can you tell me, Carrie, a little bit about Opal, mm-hmm. their relationship in the, in the oh they, yeah. Uh, well, I do think that it's kind of ironic that we're actually here at Nags Head at the beach. Um, our whole family's here. This is where our family, even before we were married or whatever, this is where we've always vacationed for years and years and years. And so um, right now we're here on our family vacation. And as a matter of fact, Opal, and she had since remarried after Jason passed away. Sorry, my dad's walking in. Here, let me show you my cool dad. Mr. Joe Brown, how are you, sir? Good to see you, man. Notice the LCA shirt. I love it. (laughs) But um, anyway, she and her daughter um, and her son, Jason, uh, I'm sorry, Bailey's half-brother, and half sister are actually going to be here joining us at the beach. So it's kind of ironic that you say that this was one of Jason's favorite places. And I thought it was kind of neat um, and not a coincidence, but um, that we're actually doing the zoom meeting here. But as far as Opal, Opal was very strong for Jason. She's a very smart, um, intelligent lady. Um, she is now a nurse practitioner, which is kind of ironic after everything that she's been through. Uh, with Jason. And of course, that was his high school sweetheart. And she married him knowing that he was sick. And um, I think she was kind of like us. She, um, her faith is very strong and it never crossed her mind that she wasn't going to be with her first love. And um, the love of her life is what she would call my brother. Um, So um, I can't say enough good about her. Um, We love her. She's like one of us. Um, she's part of our family and even now, and even after she remarried, um, Jackson and Maddie, that's, um, uh, Bailey's half brother and half sister. That's our, yeah, they all vacationed with us, Christmas, Christmas, birthdays, everything. And they're my niece and my nephew. Jackson's actually staying here with us right now. He's on the beach with my family. So, um, yes, uh, she, Jason's the jewel of our family, but I tell you, she's right there with them, yeah. <laughs> up there with them. That's so, awesome. yeah. Well, um, since your, your dad just walked in, it made me think I've had a few conversations with, with, uh, with parents that have, have lost a child and, and the difficulties of that and the difficulties of that on a family and specific, the difficulties on a marriage. So, um, I guess I would love Diane, if you would well, maybe describe my, how you guys my mom can that. talk. My, my dad has since, uh, that, <laughs> that's fine. No, and, and yes. I'm sorry about that. And no worries. To be honest, Don, he, yeah. 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 So let me, no, let no, no, no. The question <laughs> was, um, it, it, it just sparked that in me that relationships, yeah. uh, you know, take a, this a lot of rest. There's so a lot. How did you make of, it? Yeah, the percentage, we've been married 51 years, um, and a large percentage, you're correct, of marriages end up in divorce with the death of a child or the sickness of a child. I think for us, uh, we lived, um, you probably came to that house on Pine Drive, (laughs) and uh, after Jason passed, boy, we renovated that house. You know, my husband had anger, he did, and so to him, putting down hardwood floors, hitting that hammer. Yeah. Yeah. It helped release some of that energy. So we put down hardwood floors. We painted. Well, the following summer, we, uh, like uh, Carrie said, we, uh, I was pregnant with Jason the first time we came to Nags Head. And every year we came back. And um, here at least once, sometimes a couple times a year, we come like Labor Day or Memorial Day, as well as a week vacation. He loved it here. 
uh, my parents, my brother and sister, we all vacationed here. So getting back to the year after Jason died, that following summer, we came down here 10 times to Nags Head. Um, we would come just for long weekends or whatever, Joe and I. And uh, it was kind of like after we had totally renovated the house on Pine Drive, you know. And even though a lot of memories were here, you know, I'm a person, I, I cherish the memories. I don't want to run from them. I, I want to keep them. I want to keep him alive. And um, so we, we kept coming here. And so I said to my husband, I said, because like I said, you know, we were, you know, kind of ever at a, at every credit card, um, home equity line, everything, you know. But I said, we need to find us a little place. And we did find a little uh, nothing fancy cottage, had to have a lot of work. The gentleman had to get rid of it. Anyhow, and so we purchased that. But the main reason, too, we had looked at a couple. We told the realtor we didn't have much money. He told us a couple houses go look at. And this little cottage that was uh, on the one of the beams downstairs, because it was dirt underneath there, its own pylons, but it was JB, you know, and that was the initials that had been on the helmets. And when I looked at it, Joe looked at it, he said, look, Diane, and I said, this is our house. And we bought this little house, and we, you know, have since fixed it up and done little odds and ends. And I think that um, gave us something to talk about, something to do, something to fill our time and our minds, something to do together. That kind of helped a whole lot, Don. You know, I'm a talker, to be honest. <laughs> Obviously. My, my husband is not. <laughs> yeah. I, I voice it. Joe, um, even at UVA, he'd get out and walk. You know, he didn't want to have to talk. You know, he's a walker. Um, but um, I'm the talker. He's the walker. <laughs> and, uh, but, but yeah, it gave us a purpose again. And I, I do believe the Lord just put it right there on us, you know, because we really didn't have any money to speak of. And the guy told us, he said, they rent that house, that'll help you. And um, so um, it, it kind of just dropped on us because when I first told Joe, he said, you're dreaming. And I said, well, let's try and see what we can do. And we did. And it did. It, it helped solidify us, you know, because we had a common purpose again. And, all. and then, again, I think, you know, LCA, the things they've got involved in that, you know, kind of helped us. And I tell you this, even to our grandchildren from um, – Carrie's three, Callie, Caden, and Carter. Amy, our oldest daughter, she has Hunter and Zoe. And then, of course, um, Jason's Bailey. We've always kept him alive. Right now, if you talk to my grandkids, they think they know Jason. Yes. They, I mean, they do. They, they feel like they know him just like we know him. Because it's not something that's, don't say his name. You know, we talk about him, or it's always like, I mean, just probably just a little while ago, we said yeah. something about Jason used to do blah, 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 you know. Oh, that looks like something Jason would do, you know. So he's been y'all kept kept there, you know, as still a part of us. And I think that helped Joe and I, too, that it wasn't something that we just, um, okay, we're not going to speak his name, you know, I can't say this or that. But it was like, hey, he is still with us. Um, and, every day. And with that being said, I think when you were asking me about Opal, I'll never forget I walked into my nephew, Jason Bailey's room, and she had a picture of my brother right there on his bedside table. So it wasn't something or she didn't want, although she had to move on with her life, she wasn't trying to make him move on and not know his dad. Because Bailey was only 10 months old when my brother passed away. However, she allowed us to tell Bailey. And Bailey, as a little boy, would say, to me and to my mom and to my sister, tell me a story about my daddy, Jason. Mm -hmm. So for us, you know, that was so special that she even allowed that. And it wasn't something that she was like, okay, I'm done. I got to mm -hmm. move on. She allowed Bailey to come over part. every weekend, be a part of our family, be a part of, you know, his cousins. Um, you know, my dad threw the football with him. Bailey played football. Um, it was something that, took a really big person because I know that she was dealing with her own emotions and her own heart. 
But in Absolutely. part, that's another reason we felt like, you know, it was, you know, we, you know, I love Jackson and Maddie, you know, Bailey's, you know, um, siblings, step-siblings. Step I, I mean, I love them. We're Grammy and Pappy, yes. you know, to them. Just like um, at Christmas, I spend the same amount of money on them as I do my other grandkids. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I would I never. I felt like um, Bailey needed that security. And then I also felt like to even to Opal, I would not ever want her to feel like I still didn't feel the same love for her that I did when Jason was here. You know, because she was such an integral part of his life and our lives and yes. walked that journey with us. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. really struck me when you mentioned that that you know they they got married and and knowing he was sick and and then that yep. you guys are still family to this day. Carrie, yep. the to go back uh, when you got the news, how did you process mm -hmm. that when you know you'd mentioned that you never expected that he would go, and when that time did come, where you knew, can you kind of walk us through? You know um, I, I remember, I remember him when he was passing and we knew he was going to pass soon. Um, it was my mom and dad, my sister, myself, um, your aunt and her and, um, and my, yeah, my cousin, my husband and Amy's husband. And we were there and, um, my mom had been singing a little bit to my brother and then she, um, I told him, I, I told him, um, I said, Jason, we're going to take care of Bailey and Opal. I knew he was struggling a little bit. And the last thing is always hearing. And I told him, I said, it's okay. I said, you go, you rest now and you follow the light. And I said, you watch and you follow the light. Opal and her mother were there, but Opal had gone out, you know, to rest because, you know, it had been an all day thing. And so this was three o'clock in the morning and they had, uh, Joe and I were laying on a cot together there in his room. And the nurse had said that his breathing had changed a little bit. So I got up and I told him and I said, Jason, you've, you've, you, it's time to rest. You fought a long battle. And I said, um, we'll take care of Opal and Bailey and you follow the light. And it wasn't two minutes hardly. He, took his last breath my husband uh, Joe Jason's dad came and we all stood there and Joe prayed over him and I'll be honest with you I know you're gonna say I'm crazy but I never forget Don I was standing there and as he was wrapping up the prayer opened up and it was like I saw a little cloud just go right out and I honestly believe that was just you know his spirit his soul it just went right on up and he was at rest and and i it gave me a lot of peace you know that you know he's okay now you know he really is like back. Uh, okay. <laughs> i just remember my dad um when we all were holding hands and uh even though my dad doesn't talk a lot um he's very very strong and um we kind of like held hands and we were around my brother and he prayed to the Lord and he thanks, thank, thank God for the 20 years that he had with his son. And, um, that always like really sticks with me. And I think after that, um, it wasn't about me and how I felt. It was more about taking care of my parents and Bailey and Opal. Um, so as far as processing, uh, Jason's death. I tried to focus on the good memories and all all the good things, um, but um, you know, I uh, just remember remember um, my dad the most doing that. And I always felt like, as a as a parent, if he can be that bold and have that much faith and walk through this and be able to say. Thank you, Lord, for the 20 years that you gave me with my son. I need to be stronger to support my parents. So I feel like as far as processing, you know, Jason's death, I kept, I watched Bailey uh, for my sister-in-law to go to school. He kind of grew up with our kids and I almost felt like, you know, I didn't have time a lot of times to like really mourn because I was in that mode of taking care of him 
and making sure my parents, you know, the sad thing is it wouldn't matter what I did and how much I tried and all of that. Um, I can't give them Jason back, so I can't supply them with that happiness, but I can do my best with everyday life and just spending time with them and keeping us close as a family and my kids close to Jason's memory and my parents. Well, that's, it's beautiful. And I've, I've followed this, you know, journey on Facebook for years and years <laughs> because the memory has been, been there and that's, you know, um, you know, it's been 24 years and yes. as long as I've been on Facebook and friends with you over probably 10 years now, it's, it's been a consistent with his yeah. memory. And, and, um, that's really why I, I was compelled to contact you because, you know, after 24 years, the legacy remains all of the things that have happened through, through football and LCA and, and the memory and the awards and, the it's just, it's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. So um, I think this would be a, a, a perfect time to let you guys get back to celebrating with your yes. family. So um, yes. if there's any last, any last comments or thoughts you would have, this would be the time and I'll let you go and play in the sand. <laughs> well, we just appreciate this done because like we said, you know, my worst fear as a parent was that he would be forgotten. Yeah. That it would be like, you know, who? Jason who? You right. know? Or, oh, Uncle Jason? Yeah. yeah. So my thing has always been that, you know, I wanted to keep that memory alive and going. And this just, you know, is another avenue for us. So and we I really appreciate it. it. And yeah. we will pray, you know, that, you know, this is used in some way to help somebody else, you know, yeah. to walk this um journey that i hope no one ever has to face but we never know you know right. so uh, you guys, but yeah you've done a, an amazing job of walking out such a difficult journey and like i said i've been able to watch and see how you've honored his life and it's uh it's a really beautiful thing and to see how your faith has been strong throughout is is another thing that really resonates with me. So thank you so much for taking some of your thank vacation you. Thank you. time to come on the time machine. So thank you very much. And, okay. um, and uh, tell Joe that maybe one of these days <laughs> me and him can talk <laughs> you know, yes, off, off record. I would love that because um, <laughs> love yes. So all right. God bless. Take care. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, you bye bye. See you later. Bye.